December 27. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will come from the book of Revelation, chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. The harlot and the bride are each identified with a city, the harlot with Babylon, and the bride with heavenly Jerusalem. The heavenly city will be the bride's home for eternity, but Babylon will be destroyed by God. The world's economy will be ruined. Now John, who had this vision and revelation and wrote about it, certainly had Rome in mind when he wrote this chapter. But his imagery means much, much more. It has relevance for you and me today. Babylon symbolizes the whole godless world system that caters to the appetites of sinful men and women. True believers have nothing in common with the harlot and her city and should be separated from them. In every age, the church has had to identify its own Babylon and separate from it. When God judges sinners, earth laments and heaven rejoices. Most people are concerned primarily with satisfying their physical desires. They are not concerned about the things spiritual or eternal. They live for the temporary and the immediate, not the eternal. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. December 27th, Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 24. After all this, I, John, saw another angel come down from heaven with great authority, and the earth grew bright with his splendor. He gave a mighty shout, Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen. She has become the hideout of demons and evil spirits, a nest for filthy buzzards, and a den for dreadful beasts. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her passionate immorality. The rulers of the world have committed adultery with her, and merchants throughout the world have grown rich as a result of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice calling from heaven, Come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins, or you will be punished with her. For her sins are piled as high as heaven, and God is ready to judge her for her evil deeds. Do to her as she has done to your people. Give her a double penalty for all her evil deeds. She brewed a cup of terror for others. So give her twice as much as she gave out. She has lived in luxury and pleasure. So match it now with torments and sorrows. She boasts, I am queen on my throne. I am no helpless widow. I will not experience sorrow. Therefore, the sorrows of death and mourning and famine will overtake her in a single day. She will be utterly consumed by fire, for the Lord God who judges her is mighty. And the rulers of the world who took part in her immoral acts and engaged her great luxury, will mourn for her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. They will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will cry out, How terrible! How terrible for Babylon, that great city! In one single moment, God's judgment came on her. The merchants of the world will weep and mourn for her, for there is no one left to buy their goods. She bought great quantities of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple dye, silk, 
scarlet cloth, every kind of perfumed wood, ivory goods, objects made of expensive wood, bronze, iron, and marble. She also bought cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, olive oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and slaves. Yes, she even traded in human lives. All the fancy things you loved so much are gone, they cry. The luxuries and splendor that you prized so much will never be yours again. They are gone forever. The merchants who became wealthy by selling her these things will stand at a distance, terrified by her great torment. They will weep and cry. How terrible, how terrible for that great city! She was so beautiful, like a woman clothed in finest purple and scarlet linens, decked out with gold and precious stones and pearls. And in one single moment, all the wealth of the city is gone. And all the shipowners and captains of the merchant ships and their crews will stand at a distance. They will weep as they watch the smoke ascend, and they will say, Where in all the world is there another city like this? And they will throw dust on their heads to show their great sorrow. And they will say, How terrible, how terrible for that great city! She made us all rich from her great wealth. And now in a single hour, it is all gone. But you, O heaven, rejoice over her fate. And you also rejoice, O holy people of God and apostles and prophets. For at last God has judged her on your behalf. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder as large as a great millstone. He threw it into the ocean and shouted, Babylon, the great city, will be thrown down as violently as I have thrown away this stone, and she will disappear forever. Never again will the sound of music be heard there. No more harps, songs, flutes, or trumpets. There will be no industry of any kind, and no more milling of grain. Her nights will be dark, without a single lamp. There will be no happy voices of brides and grooms. This will happen because her merchants, who were the greatest in the world, deceived the nations with her sorceries. In her streets, the blood of the prophets was spilled. She was the one who slaughtered God's people all over the world. Let me address Luke 15. For those of you that are not familiar with Scripture or church, Luke 15 is one of those famous passages that preachers like me talk about all the time. It's it's where Jesus is asked, why do you hang out with bad people? And he gives three stories, lost sheep, lost coin. And the last is about a lost son. Most people call it the prodigal son. It's about two sons, actually. But the younger one says, Dad, I want my inheritance early. He moves to some wild cities and lives crazy and wastes all of the money. Finally, he's got a job on this farm. And it's horrible. It's pathetic. And he comes back to himself, his senses, and he goes, I'm going to go back to dad's house and I'm going to try to get employment. I can't be his son. I just want employment. That's where he's at. And he prepares a pathetic little speech. And he makes his way to dad's house. And he says, when he arose and came to his father, when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and he started kissing him. The son said, Father, and he starts into his speech, I've sinned in heaven, your sight, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the next verse, the father ignores this. Jesus is telling this story to try to explain who he is. And really, God the Father's love. And the 
father says, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Listen now, listen to what the father says. Bring out the fatted calf, kill it, let us eat and be merry. Translation, we're going to have a party and we're going to have one right now. It gets worse. For this son was dead, is alive, he was lost and is found and it says, and they began. How long did that take? And they began to party. Was that 15 minutes? Was it 30? Was it an hour? It gets worse. Verse 25, there's another boy, the older son. He's in the field. He comes, and as he's drawing near to dad's house, he can literally hear music, and he can hear the laughter and glee and joy of people dancing on a dance floor. Now, I want you to try to wrap your brain around this illogical, ridiculous, scandalous scene that God through Jesus has given us to explain who he is and how he responds to you and to me. The boy comes home. He's wasted his hard-earned money of his father. He has lived wildly and ridiculously. How long has he been home? 30 minutes? An hour? I'll, I'll, I'll let you have three hours. He's been home three hours so he could shower and shave and put on his new gear and his new clothes and his new jewelry. And in less than three hours, this wayward AWOL son is now on a dance floor with his cronies. What? The only one that's thinking logically is the older son. Who's like, this doesn't make any sense. The scene could have been his younger brother, who's an idiot, surrounded by his friends as the DJ is playing his favorite song and he's on the dance floor. (laughs) What? How quickly does the father insist that the son get changed? and get on the dance floor. I want you to try to wrap your head around that. That when you sin, the most powerful place you can be is enjoying his love. Right after you sin. Most of us, if we were throwing the party, say... Let him on the dance floor. Son, you sit over. Don't you even think about dancing. You think about the stupid thing you did with my money. We will dance and you will watch. (laughs) But not the father. I want you to think about that. He insisted his boy dance. Psalm 146, verses 1 through 10. Praise is an evidence of life, not just physical life, but the life of God in the heart. In heaven, it's all praise. In hell, there is no praise. Here on earth, we must make a choice. Praise is an encouragement to faith. When you have faith in somebody, or your doctor, for instance, you praise that person to others. When your faith is low, your praise will gradually subside. But when you major on praise, your faith will grow. 
praise is also an encouragement to hope. When your hope is in the Lord, you can praise Him no matter what the circumstances may be. Faith is the upward look, and hope is the forward look. And those are two good places to be looking, upward and forward. Praise is an encouragement to love as well, your love for God and others, and God's love for you. When you love someone, you trust that person, and greater trust brings greater love. Life, faith, hope, and love, all are bound up in the experience of praise. Psalm 146, verses 1 through 10. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, I tell myself. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God, even with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When their breathing stops, they return to the earth, and in a moment all their plans come to an end. But happy are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the one who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He is the one who keeps every promise forever, who gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts the burdens of those bent beneath their loads. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows. But He frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. O Jerusalem, your God is King in every generation. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 30, verse 33. As the beating of cream yields butter, and a blow to the nose causes bleeding, so anger causes quarrels. <laughs>